Good evening and welcome back to another episode of the brand new football podcast that sums it all up. Today, Tuesday the 10th of November, is all about reflection. Reflecting upon a rather terrible end to the weekend, Arsenal-wise. Reflecting upon how dull I anticipate the upcoming international break to be, unfortunately. To be fair, perhaps breaks such as these are necessary given what happened to Arsenal on Sunday evening. Reset, recharge those footballing batteries and return revitalise once actual football returns once again. First, our regular podcast guest, Johnny Rosen, will be back on with me to discuss Arsenal's 3-0 thrashing at the hands of Aston Villa. It's not a pleasant conversation to be had, but I think an entirely necessary one nonetheless before the games start coming thick and fast domestically throughout December. It's quite weird to think that once football returns, I think it's the 21st of November, which is basically December and then it's Christmas. So pretty crazy. Anyway, as always, all episodes of That Sums It All Up are uploaded and are available to listen to on my Mixcloud as well as Fresh Air Radio's website. You can find the other podcast I partake in, Fresh Air's very own sports hub, where I discuss and dissect the week's biggest footballing matters. Before we get cracking with today's podcast, do let me know if you're listening in or have listened in. If you've got any questions, comments or thoughts, do not hesitate to send them my way or to my guest as it will be addressed in the next week's podcast. Drop me a tweet on Twitter at AlfieSteiner12. Though this week, I'm trying to limit my Twitter usage. It's what tends to happen when Arsenal lose or something frustrating on fantasy football happens, but we'll get into that. In any case, without further ado, let's get into the nuts and bolts of today's show. Not sure my wounds or the wounds have yet to begin the process of scarring, let alone healing, but such is life. Confront the adversity head on, share the pain with your nearest and dearest and accept the tough journey that is life. Arsenal were comprehensively outplayed, outfought and outdone by Aston Villa on Sunday evening. And with me today to delve deeper into Sunday's proceedings is Mr. Johnny Rosen. Welcome back, Johnny. How are we this morning? Good morning. How are you? I'm I'm well. I'm well. It's it's not a goodly morning, really, in an Arsenal context, is it? <laughs> it's not been a, a goodly morning for a few mornings, to be honest. <laughs> I spent most of yesterday trying to avoid the regular, as you say, Twitter, the podcasts. It's all very. Mm. It's, it's really depressing. Necessary, I think. We had this coming. I'm sure we'll get into it in a bit, but it was. It wasn't a surprise to me. No, and I think that in in and of itself is is suggestive of of you know long longer longer standing issues. But yeah, I completely mm. understand. Mm. You know, it's almost you start a new week and you sort of got you know post weekend blues or whatever. But it's really nice to be able to you know be on Twitter, see all the reaction to the Arsenal game. Um, you know, have a look at fancy, listen to all the podcasts, just be really engaged in the football content at the beginning of the week. It feels like a lot of the time such a treat. I mean, I'm I'm looking back to last week. Only last week we won one 0 at Old Trafford, and and the tides were very much, you know, at polar opposite ends of the spectrum. So, yeah, it is crazy how much a week and a result uh, can can influence one's one's weekly football digest. And I know you as much as I very much live and breathe <laughs> Twitter podcasts, uh, you know, all sorts of, of football engagement. So it does change it. But have you, do you think, I mean, to be honest, international break as well, I do tend to find myself as much as I dislike the international breaks. I feel like of all times now, it might actually be quite a good time to, you know, we just have to sit and absorb this game, try and avoid Twitter a tiny bit more, the regular football content would be lesser. And I think maybe, maybe as you say, this was a result that, that was coming and, and we need to, to process this properly. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think from a fan's perspective, it's not the best timing because what we want is a game today to get straight into an, an attack and try and kind of right the wrongs of, of Sunday night. But from from the from the team's perspective, from Arteta's perspective, I think it's it's probably quite a good thing that he has two weeks now to go off. He can reflect. He can really go back to the drawing board and look at what's 
not what went wrong on Sunday, but actually what's been going wrong since the beginning of the season, the Fulham game aside, and, and Fulham, I think, will, will probably, they're probably nailed on to go down. I, I don't know how they're in this league. They got very lucky against Brentford in the, in the championship playoff final back in, in July, mm. August, whenever it was. But we've been terrible and the, and the stats show that and we're, we're no better than Emery's Arsenal last season. Uh, we're on the same amount of points from the same amount of games. We've scored the least amount of goals since 1999 in a start to a Premier League season. So it's not just what went wrong against Villa. It's what went wrong against a very winnable or drawable Man City game against Leicester at home. You know, there's yes, we beat United at Old Trafford and we played very well. But aside from that, I don't think our performances at home to Sheffield United and West Ham well, I you know that great either, and we got a bit lucky. We scored in the 90th minute against West Ham to win, and so it provides, thankfully, a proper opportunity for the coaching staff to really get a reset, and hopefully, you know, come up with something new. Mm. I think it's, it's interesting what I what I and you just said in terms of using these you know almost two weeks best part of two weeks to properly reflect upon yeah pretty much the first seven games of the season and what's gone right and there have been certain things that have gone right but we sort of we I think as as fans and anyone who's who's been watching Arsenal have been aware of the things that like the team have been doing right from the from the outset of when Arteta Mm -hmm. joined you know the defensive stability the structure the you know competing better in, in bigger games but you know, Arteta, I don't know if you you saw some of what Arteta said after the game, uh, but he, you know, he said if we could have a game tomorrow morning, then that would be ideal because obviously all the players, well, some of the players go off to international duties. We don't really have many who, who represent their countries anymore. Um, but, you know, I think I can I can completely understand where he's coming from. But by the same token, I actually think that that might be the, the easy way out to just get it out of our system straight away. I think this these issues, the sorts of issues that that were glaringly exposed against Villa on Sunday are ones that need to be sat on a bit more and that require a bit more of a of a complete and total change to the way that the team sets up, the personnel. But look, we'll get we'll get onto that as as we reflect upon the game. And look, it is a case of, you know, obviously it was a terrible result, but but in a way, if, if we can try and take a positive spin on it, you know, things like these need to happen. Arteta's not been in the job for a year. And to be fair, there haven't been, you know, we think about serious low points. I mean, the Brighton game that we lost there, you know, the Villa game last year. But I don't, from from far as I can remember, this was absolutely the, the lowest point of his near 12 months in yeah. charge, at least <laughs> on the pitch. So I think... And we all saw that maybe something like this was coming. And, and it, it is a case of, well, how long can you sort of keep going, just doing doing the bare minimum? And, and you know, the, these issues are, are very much round and about the place. But if, you, if, you, if they're not glaringly exposed, then, then how are you expected to progress and make positive change? But look, let, let's dive straight into the game. And, and I'm sure we can pick up these, these threads as we go along. So I don't think it's really a case of analysing the game and, and for us to try and put our finger on what exactly was the problem because I think everything really went wrong. And just from a sort of a basic point of view, watching the game without even looking into it too much, it was so obvious what was wrong and how much better Villa were, how how much our side and our players were lacking, you know, a, a, a driving intent, a, a confidence to sort of, exert their influence on the game to dominate proceedings perhaps more worrying to be honest and what I said before and you can literally use so many words they're out for outgunned outplayed outmuscled outdone whatever else you want to call it Villa you know we we flattered Villa and don't get me wrong Villa were great but it was I think that was probably part of why Sunday evening was such tough viewing because regardless of fans being there, not being there, they came to the Emirates and looked like the bigger team, the more confident team, the team who were playing to their strengths, utilizing their, their, you know, their, their 
their their star players in the way that we seem to not be doing at the moment. And I think the contrast of of where Arsenal are at in, a, in an attacking sense to what we saw Villa do and what we saw them do against Liverpool, which we can't forget as well. It was just the the contrast was really tough to take, I think. But is there anything in particular that you'd, you'd like to start with our discussion of this game? I think, I mean, if we start... Uh, and look at the game as a whole before we get into the nuts and bolts of it and you can kind of see you saw the pattern emerge straight away with that McGinn goal that got disallowed and I think that really set the tone of how the game was going to go they they were hit us fast they were aggressive and as you say they outfought they they out they were more creative than us and it was quite clear they scored within 45 seconds it was greedish holding it up they were attacking completely down that left channel for them with Target and Grealish McGinn coming over and Bellerin mm. and Holding were at sixes and sevens for basically the whole game. Uh, I, I was, I mean, kind of going up to the lineup, I was quite surprised to see Holding start ahead of David Luiz because I think David Luiz is just a better player and a more progressive player than Holding. And when we're at home against they're not a lesser team than us, Villa. I think you could make an argument for saying they're a better team than us right now, but these traditionally kind of smaller Premier League clubs at, at the Emirates, you want us to be starting our progressive, more attacking, creative players. And I mean, Louise, as we saw in the Leicester game, was our most creative player that game. And so I was surprised to see him on the bench. And I thought they really gave... Holding and Bellerin a really tough time on that our right hand defensive side, and so going forward into the game, yeah, the, the goal set the tone. Probably l- lucky that it got disallowed in the same way that Leicester were lucky that Lacazette's got disallowed, but that, it's, it's good to see some level of consistency there. Absolutely. Um, but that that would be my general thoughts of how the game started. It, it, yeah, it really set the tone. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I was watching, it was a bit, it was a really weird start to the game because I sort of sat down and, um, you know, then they, they'd scored and it looked like a perfectly good goal. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this is, what a great goal. Like, well, how's, how have we conceded so early? It's, it's not like we even had a chance to get into the game, but Villa started so quickly and we were, I think, very fortunate. As you say, it's good to see consistency, but very fortunate not to have that goal. Um allowed because I think you know on the basis of the rest of the performance you could say that they absolutely deserved a goal like that because they played like that throughout the whole game they started completely how they meant to go on Um, yeah I think just in terms of like you know you say starting with with their first goal and you 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 hinted at perhaps a few issues with with the team selection look I think it's understandable that Arteta went unchanged from 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 the side that beat Old Trafford, uh, beat Manchester United at Old Trafford. But by the same token, it's a, it's a completely different proposition. And I think, you know, we've we've seen how useful and effective that lineup and that style can be away from home against bigger clubs. And is that to suggest that Arteta felt, rightly or wrongly, that maybe this was the game that he had to set up in the same way? because of how good Villa have been, you know, against Liverpool, for example, or, you know, in other games. But we do forget at the same time that they've lost their last two games. They conceded four against Southampton, you know, got battered by Leeds. So, look, they they were perhaps there for the taking in terms of if we went for it. But maybe, look, maybe Arteta feels that he can't just go for it because then it will collapse at the other end. And I think we saw signs of that this game he both tried to like prevent the collapse like of the team structure but at the same time try and play the sort of structural you know pick 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 the opponent off sort of with precise patterns of attacking play and it just didn't work and and in the end it was a double double blow because everything that went wrong or everything that he was trying to do backfired but yeah in terms of lineups um I was a bit surprised that Holding started. I mean, having said that, David Luiz started in the week and looked pretty good. He was obviously against Leicester at home. He was our best player, pretty much, or like our most effective attacking player up until he went off injured. And that 
sort of swung the game in a way. So I think it was a bit of a surprise that he didn't start. And maybe there's, you know, maybe he's not completely 100% fit as of yet. But look, I think given, you know, the signs were there and ominous again in the Leicester game, and given how how important David Luiz was to our attacking game that day, it was slightly, I mean, in hindsight, slightly surprising that he didn't start. And Holding is, is not the same player. He's a very good sort of, low block defender he's not going to be the guy who can take the ball and and ping it out with with dangerous passes and look like people can laugh at the fact that David Luiz might be our most creative player but you know I I, I heard a stat uh, this morning that David Luiz completed more through balls than you know anyone in the Chelsea team last year for example so that's just who David Luiz is um but yeah, team selection. I mean, El Nenny and Partey. I, I see why you go for it again because it worked against Villa. But I mean, against United. But surely, maybe you change it. I mean, I'm surprised to see William, Lacazette, El Nenny, even holding to an extent. These four players who are very much associated with a side that can sit in deep and and hold the structure and not take the initiative themselves and and pose some threat because look at that that lineup you're not really I mean Lacazette against the likes of Mings and Konza I mean there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that they were just not worried about him at all like what threat does he pose and and the same goes for Willie and the same goes with for Aubameyang at the moment but I think it's understandable that Arteta didn't make any changes but I think in hindsight that also reflects perhaps his he's he's too insistent and too wedded to his approach that he's found has worked and carried Arsenal through this first year but maybe as you say this needed to happen and there needs to be a change of approach but yeah what 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 do you make of personnel and we'll get on to what we think the main issue was in this game and and I'm sure we'll get on to Lacazette and Willian because I think that's a that's a big issue at the moment and perhaps the attacking no, setup. But yeah, what 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 do you make of personnel and 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 the lineup and and how that transmitted into the game? No, I I agree. I agree with everything you're saying to be honest. I think I was surprised again to see no Willock on the bench after two two Europa League games where he's really been heads and shoulders the best player on the pitch above everyone else. Um, the William and Lacazette thing, I can understand starting Lacazette. He's, he should be, he is a good player, but he's, for some reason, he's just not performing. Or was, or was a good player. I, I don't know at player. this point. Yeah, I, you still, I still want him to be that, that Lacazette from, from two seasons ago where yeah, it doesn't seem like that long ago where he was our player of the season and mm. was really kind of terrorising to an extent a lot of Premier League defences. And then, I guess, aside from that, Willian starting, I would have liked to see Pepe start. I think we looked, even immediately he came on around 65 minutes, we looked a lot better for at least that five, ten minutes. He had a shot across goal. And it was definitely on the team. But I can understand why Arteta went with the with the team that beat United, because it makes sense to stick with a, a winning team and a winning formation. Hmm. But maybe it, it maybe it kind of showed his his sort of lack of confidence, maybe, as a as a young manager. Hmm. You know, I bet Wenger used to say you you pay for young players with points and maybe we're paying, I think, you know, we're paying for a young manager and by all means, I think a very good manager, but he's still very young in his career but, with, with sacrificing a few points. Yeah. Look, to, to just jump in there. I think that's a, that's a very good point. You know, I remember those Wenger quotes about, you know, starting a young centre-back, you're, you're, you're saying that I'm willing to give up a few points for the development of this player. If we flip that over, it seems at the moment that we're in a way and you can, you know, system, structure, tactics aside, we might be giving up points or at least attacking threat for older players, more experienced players who, you know, are 
you know, I think that Lacazette and Willian were were terrible on on Sunday, and I think they now need to earn their places back into the team. I don't think they deserve, and I and I know Arteta obviously sees more behind the scenes, and there's more to it than just match day performances. But I don't think you can you can say on on that viewing that either of them are are worthy of starting in that front line, even more so when we are not creating nearly as many chances as we need to to be to 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 get to the level that we all want to see. You know, Champions League level, we're, we're not creating those chances, and so. That obviously comes from a change of structure, but even so, I think we are not in a position to rely upon the likes of Willian, who look we should be able to rely upon. But you know, there were two two opportunities that he had, and I know they weren't like guilt guilt edge clear cut chances, but you know he lashed at them. You know, the ball fell to him in a good area, and you can't help but think, well, Pepe's pretty good in those areas. We've spent so much money on him. Why not just give him a chance when Willian isn't actually doing that much? And defensively as well, you know, he gave the ball away for one of the goals. He's He looks quite sluggish. He looks defensively off the pace in an attacking sense. He's not contributing in the way that we want him to. Lacazette, look, it's a shame because I, I as I was watching it and, and and we all know that header that he he missed and, and that was sort of just emblematic of, of what's gone wrong with Lacazette. Look, he was never this this a hundred percent like a grade like world-class striker he was a very good striker but I know he's being asked to do a different job in Arteta system it's not the most glamorous center forward job but he he looks to have lost his not even in a physical sense because we can all see the physical drop-off he's never been the most physically like dominant player but in terms of smoothness and his finishing capability, he used to be an excellent finisher. And I just do not see that anymore. Even a lot of his goals that he's scored, he hasn't scored a lot of goals, but you think of the the goal that broke his goal scoring duct. I think it was against Newcastle. It was a scuffed finish into the ground. A couple of other finishes at the beginning of this season, I feel like weren't, you know, what we were used to Lacazette sort of receiving the ball and, and picking his spot and, and, and making emphatic finishes. And maybe he's not being given those opportunities. None of our frontline are, but he's not giving enough in an attacking sense. And like I say, when you see him miss a chance like that at that point in the game, and I know it was a header and, you know, on the basis of the rest of the game, it was in keeping with the rest of the game, but you need someone in that position who can change the game. If you're not going to create that many chances, you need someone like Aubameyang who you've just given a, a three-year contract. Do you think Aubameyang scores that chance? I think Aubameyang is is far more likely to get that on target. And look, I know that Aubameyang has, has on plenty of occasions been in those sort of positions and, and fluffed his lines, but he's not in those positions enough at the moment to to for us to even... Like, he needs to be in those positions for us to say at least, like okay, well, maybe it didn't work. But I think Lacazette has done enough for us to see that when he's in those positions, he's not scoring the chances. When Willian's in those positions on the basis of, of, of Sunday, he's not doing well enough. He's not hitting the target. And we need our most offensive, efficient players in those positions. Um, but yeah, look, I think in an attacking sense, there's all sorts of issues. And I know we might not have the personnel, but I think... Again, like maybe this is a good thing. It forces Arteta's hand. He's he he has to trust, I think, Pepe a bit more now. He has to concede a bit of this control because Willian's not doing it, and I think he should lose his place. You need to at some point, like he did at the end of last season, give, give Pepe a run of games. Let him be the guy who's going to be the main aspect of our attack because otherwise, you're you're you are wasting money. It's the same as a Bamiyang, like. And I know it's so easy to say this. And at the time, obviously, we, we, we need Aubameyang to stay and sign that contract. But if this is how we're going to be playing, regardless of the personnel that we have, is it a wise footballing decision to, to like commit so much money to Aubameyang when you are not getting what we expect from him? He's peripheral, you know, uh, just a little stat here, which I'm sure you've seen. We haven't scored an op- a goal from open play in over six hours of competitive football now. And I think the yeah. last time we did that was... I can't remember when it was, but 
I mean, Aubameyang didn't have a single shot on goal in the game. He's had, I think, 10 shots in total from his like eight Premier League games or something like that. Um, and yeah, so look, we've touched upon Lacazette and Willian. And I think, I think, you know, so much of, you look at Villa and we can see that they, they over the last two game weeks, they, they've had defensive issues because they've conceded seven goals. But when you when you click in an attacking sense, I think that also helps your your defensive side of the game. And we've we've shown that we can hold our own in certain types of situations. But for Lacazette and Willian to be starting, and then a Bamiang on the left wing, and he's a very, he's an average left winger. He gets into good positions, but he's not uh, an effective like dangerous left winger in in the traditional sense. So I think there's just no threat posed by these three at the moment, and. I think, uh, and just before I, I let you jump in again, I think, isn't it, is it not quite telling that, you know, we've got four, our four main attacking players really in Lacazette, Aubameyang, Pepe and um, Willian. We've all committed, like the club have committed serious financial resources to these four and whether they're the right players or not is sort of redundant at this point. But can you, we, we can't say that any of them are playing well at the moment and as much as it might be a question of these players underperforming, surely at some point you have to look at the system and be like, well, there's the common common denominator here that all four of these attacking players are struggling with, with the way that the team is setting up. So look, what 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 do you what do you think Arteta has to take away from this performance in terms of the way he sets up this team, both you know, across the Across the lineup, but mainly in an attacking sense. I mean, in an attacking sense, he spoke about before the game having to score 90 to 100 goals to compete with <laughs> uh, the top teams, the cities, the Liverpools. That's never going to happen. It's never going to happen if we continue to set up like this. You mentioned our four main attacking players. I actually think out of the four of them, Pepe has been the best player this season. He's, um, he's so inconsistent. That's undoubtedly true. But every time he plays, he also looks like he's going to score or get an assist. You know, the two Europa League games recently, he was kind of in and out of the game for 75 minutes, then popped up with a goal and assist against Mould, popped up with an incredible goal against Dundalk, against but, Sheffield United. He came on off the bench. Just before you keep going, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you keep going no, there. But I, I honestly thought, and... I, perhaps I was obviously in the heat of the moment, but I genuinely thought, and even now I'm looking back, and it's obviously part of it's to do with my bias against Willian at this moment in time, but I honestly thought that Pepe did more in an attacking sense in five, ten minutes than, than Willian offered throughout the whole game. Just in terms of the the tone that it's set for the game, the danger, the the jeopardy, you know, he's not, he's going to be slightly inconsistent. He might, you know, go for a shot from outside the box and it might not, you know, be very effective or he'll put a ball into the box, but it's just like trying it. You're, you're, you're breaking out of that structure. You're taking a bit of risk, which I think is, is so what this team are lacking at the moment. But yeah. But yeah, I know. I agree. Go. And I think what, what you see Pepe bring to this Arsenal attacking lineup, which Aubameyang does as well, but is, he's kind of shafted out onto the left. And so it's not as much of a threat, but he scares defenders, Pepe. If you're a left back, and you've got Pepe on the right wing and he's attacking directly at you, last season, you saw Van Dyke for the first time actually scared, mm. I think, and Robertson, and mm. all like, well, hang on here, this is a proper uh, like winger, he's going to take us on, he can dribble past us, he can pass round us, he's incredibly good with the ball at his feet, mm. and yet it's a bit predictable, he kind of wants to cut on his left foot, but if you give him any sort of space to cut on his left foot, nine times out of ten, he's going to hit, he's going to get a shot on target. And so that threat, he, William doesn't scare defenders like that. Lacazette doesn't anymore. Aubameyang does. But this was also, for me, the game which made it abundantly clear that we've got to start playing Aubameyang centre-forward and not on the left. Before, before, before Sunday, I kind of was, was sympathetic to the idea that his XG is the same on the left as it is down the middle. Look, he's scored 
in his two full seasons at the club, he scored over 60 goals, predominantly playing out of the left. You know, he scored mm. 30, I think it was 32 goals in Emery's first full season and he scored 30 goals last season in all competitions. That's, by anyone's standards, that's that's a lot of goals and most of them came on the left. But I was watching the game as we all were on Sunday and it looked to me like this was a team Arteta had almost set up to benefit the squad that he played with when he was an Arsenal player and not an Arsenal manager, if that makes sense. In terms of you had two inside forwards in Willian and Aubameyang kind of playing crosses into into the box for a striker like Lacazette when Arteta was playing, you would have had Ozil and Alexis in those kind of inside channels playing mm. crosses into a Giroud and it would have worked really well. And you had a Giroud pulling in and a Ramsey running over. That mm. was the squad Arteta played with in the, in the 2015-16 season. That's not the squad he's a manager of. And so I thought that was interesting, but he needs to... I think he needs to really change the system I, and the, the, the attack is definitely the main issue. I mean, we'll speak about the defence because I thought defensively we were very poor as well. But Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that, and that's I think, an issue in terms of the yeah. long term. Mm. Look, I think it's becoming more and more obvious that whilst there is a there's such positives to take from the strides Arteta's taken to to correct the long-standing decline of our of our structure of our of our discipline on the pitch are the non-negotiable like this is how you set up this is the first and foremost thing that the team does and then it's important to develop an attacking you know system effective ways of going forward your creativity and I, and I get that Arteta is so keen to establish that because that's something you can always fall back on you can go to in the big games we need that to be a competitive team don't get me wrong but I think it's starting to be quite look and I and I tell you what like if 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 we had for whatever reason not signed Aubameyang to a new deal in the summer or not signed Thomas Partey or, or not signed Willian and gone for younger you know, less expensive options, less experienced, and we're building towards the future. I think it would be a, a lot easier for Arteta to have the have the argument of of sticking to these principles so strictly because I think then you can see, well, there's not too much danger. We, we haven't committed loads of money to certain players, but look, we 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 need to maximize Aubameyang's threat. And going back to what you were just saying his goal scoring record, you know, over the last two seasons, three seasons or whatever, has been unbelievable. And on its own as a goal scoring record, unbelievable. But when you actually consider the teams that he's been playing in, you know, late Wenger, the end of that season was dreadful. Emery, pretty terrible. Even this Arteta side, that the amount of chances that we've been creating has been declining at a staggeringly alarmingly rate, alarming rate. And for him to still be able to be scoring that many goals is a testament to his innately like world-class elite level as a goal scorer. And so I think it has, I mean, if we say it's come to a, come to the point where he has to play down the middle, but yes, he does because we're not creating enough chances as we haven't been over the last few years. And so, well, what do you do when you don't create enough chances? You need your most threatening players on the pitch. And so I think it's, Look, and I'm sure it's more complex than... And, and look, I trust Arteta, don't get me wrong. So, look, I, I'm willing to let him work this out. But in my mind, at least, it seems obvious that you start Aubameyang down the middle. You need to change the structure of the team slightly so that you re retain some of that defensive structure. Like, that that, that needs to, to be maintained. But at the same time, what are Aubameyang's strengths? You know, the danger he presents running in behind being in the right place at the right time, you know, defenders checking over their shoulders. What's Saka's strength, perhaps, from what we've seen so far? Probably, like, hugging the touchline, to be honest, getting great deliveries in, little bit of combination play on the sort of, on the left touchline. What's Pepe's strength? Not being so wide, being a more of an inside forward, running at defenders, running in behind. And so I think, you know, from what we've seen of Pepe so far, when he's flourished, he's been more like 
as an inside forward, being able to shift it onto his left and take a shot, not hugging the touchline and, you know, doing all his, his fancy stepovers and checking back on himself because he becomes quite isolated. He's not one of those players. So I think, you know, maybe the balance of the team needs to shift slightly to the left where we hold our structure on the left with Saka and Tierney, Bamiang in the centre and then Pepe as our sort of, you know, dynamic you know, forward player, because I think, look, Arteta might not like the players he has at his disposal, but I think given the amount of financial resource more than anything that we've, we've, we've uh, put in and committed to these players, he has to do more. He has to give up a degree of his structural rigidity and control and just sort of be like, right, I need to let these guys sort of maximize their potential. You look at, you look at what Villa did, like, they were last year basically a one-man band with Jack Grealish. But you look at the summer, what have they done? They bought in Ollie Watkins, um, Ross Barkley on loan, you know, a couple of other good attackers, obviously, Emmy Martinez and you know Matty Cash as well. But they've taken the burden off Jack Grealish. And I think it's it's an interesting dynamic to to analyze. Like I know it's, you know, we're not really interested in analysing Dean Smith as, as a manager, but what, what has he done at the beginning of this season that has made Villa look like a pretty dominant, like physical, direct, exciting team to watch? He's set up the team to benefit the strengths of his attacking players by the same token, making Villa look like a pretty solid side at the back. Like they look strong, dominant and then you've got Ollie Watkins running in behind which look Ollie Watkins looked great against uh looked great against Arsenal and he was great but you think well is it that far of a reach to suggest that like Aubameyang can do the job that Watkins did uh on Sunday I don't think so I don't think Lacazette can do that job for example but you see the the um yeah, the way in which Villa are playing to their attacking strengths. And look, maybe we don't have a, as balanced an attack as Grealish, Watkins, Barkley and McGinn, but like you've got some, on paper, some decent players. So I think it is now time to start maximising or unlocking at least or taking the handbrake off slightly for these attacking players because it, there does come a point where it's like, You've just been beaten 3-0 by Villa. And as much as it was about the defence, which we'll get onto, the attacking players, the system that we've got in an attacking sense is not maximising the strengths of our main attacking players, i.e. Aubameyang, i.e. Pepe. Um, and then Lacazette and Willian could come into that and contribute and perhaps their roles change. Because I think the roles that Willian and Lacazette are being asked to play at the moment is, is more than anything highlighting how inefficient and ineffective and sluggish they can they can present themselves to be um but look in 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 um in reaction to this now as we've been discussing surely pepe needs to get a run of games at the moment like after coming back after the international break i think Lacazette and Willian should both they need to be confined to the europa league for at least a week or two so they need to earn their spots back um and look, you say we, we need to extract more value from Aubameyang. He needs to play down the middle because otherwise, if we go a whole season playing like this, it, it, you can't argue that it's been a good good commitment of our resources at a time when it's so telling that our squad is unbalanced and we need certain types of players. Um, but yeah, let's let's just touch upon... Arsenal's defensive issues in this game as well. And, and that definitely plays into how good Villa were going forward. But but what what what, what did you make of what, what were the main issues in, in a defensive sense? I mean, I would would say defensively, to caveat the conversation we're about to have, mm. we have been a lot better defensively. It's de- it's Absolutely. the main improvement. If Arteta left the club tomorrow. He could say he could throw his hat on the fact that he he has drastically improved us as a defensive unit. Uh, the, weirdly, this game or the game against Villa really reminded me of the game we drew two two at home to Southampton last season. I don't know if you remember in Lacazette scored. I think in like the ninety. Oh, the very, very late late goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right Didn't at celebrate. the end. 
Yeah. And it was, it was almost, it was that game against Southampton was, they'd just been beaten, I think a few weeks before nine nil by Leicester. And they came to the Emirates and they were all over us. They had about 25 shots. They should have won. And we got out of jail right at the end. And it was, and the ease at which they kind of broke through our midfield and got onto our back line and then were able to get shots off at goal. And in the, a similar game also last season was the 2-2 draw we had away at Norwich. Another, I think it was Lundberg's first game, again, around this time last year. Those two games really reminded me of this game in the way that our midfielders bypassed. And then it didn't take a lot for Villa to have Barkley, Watkins, Grealish and Trezeguet running directly at our back four and against Leno. And it was it was too easy. And I don't I think party going off in the first at halftime was obviously a big issue. I thought yeah, he was the best probably player our on, best on player. the pitch for us. Yeah. He was our best player in the first half by by some distance. Probably in the whole game. <laughs> Pro- probably in the whole game, yeah. No one did anything in the second half. Um, so he obviously we lost him. He's he's by far the best midfielder at the club. He, we can already see that he's only been here a month, mm. but we yeah, we saw that against Vienna. We saw that against United, and it, it's quite clear also from the first half against Villa. But it just—I thought the Sabios substitution was the wrong player to bring on. We should have brought on a Xhaka to kind of calm things down, settle things down, and and just dictate possession a bit more. And and then I can't point fingers. I can't say Tierney had a terrible game. I can't say Gabriel had a terrible game. Leno, they none of them made, had terrible games, but just as a unit, there wasn't mm. protection. And when oh. there's no protection, you're playing against really good creative players like Grealish and Barkley. Inevitably, you're gonna you're gonna kind of leak chances and leak goals. But no, I, I mean th- those were my thoughts. If you want to jump, absolutely. In. Yeah, I think, and I think it was quite obvious from the beginning, you know, Arteta's sides have, have, have grown, you know, they're quite symbolic of, well, what, what, what are their strengths? You know, playing it out from the back, beating the press and then trying to quickly transition and, you know, create those, those overloads on, on the left flank primarily. But, you know, Villa were clearly quite clued up on, as to what, they were expecting Arsenal to do. They thought, well, if we get in their faces and, you know, can we believe basically what, what Villa did, they believed that they could, they could like outdo our, our sort of first phase of play. Like, our, you know, we try and play out from the back and, and get out through down the sides. Villa had four guys stationed literally as a, as a man for man marking four and four. They pressed us out of the park. The defenders, I think that really set the tone for, for the struggles that they had. They had, you know, powerful, powerful runners and, and pressers. And, you know, when we were on the ball and then they, they would lose it, Arsenal would lose the ball and then Villa would have it and they'd progress up the pitch. They'd work down the sides. I think Bellerin had a really tough evening against Grealish and, and their uh, Matt Target, I think, you know, defensively, he was all over the place. His positioning, he was finding himself far too up the pitch. He was flat-footed. Um, I don't think Rob Holding's presence next to him necessarily helped because those two as a pair are quite limited in their defensive capabilities. I think Gabriel as well had had difficulties. He looked less dominant because of the whole, the way in which Villa were dominant in an attacking sense. I think, you know, and I think this is why it hurt so much the way that Villa were playing. They were proactive. They you know, go back, going back to what Emery sort of said, I think, or it might have been Arteta or both, but we need to be protagonists and Villa were the protagonists in this game and they played to their strengths. And we saw how much threat and, and difficulty Ollie Watkins provided for our centre-backs running in behind, pressing. And look, maybe Aubameyang's pressing is, is not as, maybe that's not his game, but I think in terms of the, th- the threat that he exerts, with his with his running in behind and you know we parallel that to Villa and I think when we saw the sorts of things that Grealish was doing I think Grealish is an excellent player someone we could absolutely (laughs) do with but powerful running you know um, orientating himself in dangerous positions in between Bellerin and holding 
and I think they definitely highlighted our right hand side as as a weakness, um, and they targeted Bellerin and Holding to great yeah. effect. Um, but that that you know it was it was it was clear what they were doing. And Dean Smith said after the game, we analysed the game and look, our t- uh, we we saw that Arsenal were a team who were good playing out from the back, and that that suggests that they they recognise that Arsenal are a good team, a well coached team who who can stick to the game plan. So what do we need to do? We need to try and disrupt the game plan early. And that's what they did. And then it was like, well, what, you know, from that very first minute, like you say, when they scored that, that very good goal, that was quite, you know, we were fortunate to have that uh, deemed offside, but they, they established, they set the precedent for the game so early and we were unable to react, even with Arteta barking <laughs> instructions in 7,000 different languages. Um, yeah. There's only but thing I think that, add to that. I think, I think that's also an issue. Um, Absolutely. Arteta can't try and control, he's, he orchestrate this game from the touchline. He needs to give... What happens when fans come back? You know what I mean? ...of creative freedom to, to break to from... But yeah, well, that's true. They're definitely not going to be able to hear him when fans are in the stadium. But, but in the meantime, mm. he needs to let his players break from the system a bit to, to come up with a bit of creativity break the lines you know as good as a coach Arteta may be and I think uh, I hope and what's giving me the most source of kind of optimism right now through this international break is if Arteta is going to be the coach that Guardiola, Pochettino, Klopp I mean the best managers in the world all think he's going to be in five Mm. ten years time if he's going to become that coach Arteta will get us out of this. Absolutely. If he doesn't get us out of this, he's never going to become that top, top elite level European coach where he could go on to manage Barcelona, whoever. But that's what's kind of given me a bit of hope is that I trust him because all these other coaches have placed so much faith in him and see him as the next kind of elite level manager to come through. He's still in his late thirties. By the time he's in his late forties, he could be a kind of a top, top level coach. But what, what else you were saying about Dean Smith and analyzing us, that that's another thing that's changed over the last year. Again, under Emery, when we were really kind of almost looking like we could be in some sort of relegation scrap this time last year, we couldn't, we couldn't buy a win. Teams would just show up and they'd they'd beat us or they'd they'd draw against us. And it's changed. Today, teams show up, they have to focus, they have to analyse our patterns of play because they're creative, they're intelligent patterns of play. But once they do that, we don't seem to have a plan B. And that's that's a bit of an issue. And the the last thing I was going to say is you mentioned about Ollie Watkins and I thought, out of all the strikers we faced this season, Watkins probably gave Gabriel his toughest test. You know, every time I saw Watkins kind of backing into Gabriel, I, I saw Gabriel three or four times look over to the linesman and complain, asking for a foul. And he's played against you know, Mitrovic, Rashford, Vardy. These are all top Premier League level strikers. I mean, maybe not Mitrovic, but they're all good players. I mean, he's also played against Liverpool and, and City. But out of all of them, I thought Watkins gave him the toughest test. And so it was really interesting and quite worrying as well mm. from a practical perspective that we were that easily shut down. Yeah, and I think we were shut down. But also, you know, Saka was, was kicked off the park. And, yeah, you know, you say... Uh, Watkins gave Gabriel phys- a, a proper physical battle. I think, you know, when I looked at their centre-backs, when I looked at their physicality moving forwards, they they out-muscled us and out-competed us. And we, we, we talk about how Arsenal have perhaps become a more impressive physical side with the spine of Partey and Gabriel. And I do think Partey going off was a big thing because he looked like the only guy who was maybe going to salvage the performance in a sense. Um which already is suggestive of how important he's going to be moving forwards. But yeah, we were, we were made, we were, we were bullied basically and bullied in, in a physical sense, but also in a tactical sense and in a footballing sense, everything that Villa did was better than what we did. And like I keep saying, 
they acted like the bigger side, the home side, um, their coach sort of did what, what we'd like to in an ideal world, see Arteta do on these sorts of occasions set up to benefit our strengths, i.e. Aubameyang, Pepe, I mean, Partey even. And it was, that's why I think it was so worrying. We, Look, I don't think it's a case of, of ripping it all up and starting again. It's not as drastic as that because there is certainly value in, in the work that Arteta's done in, in, in drilling the side to be more disciplined, to be able to compete in those away games, which for so long we, we have, have been out of. And I think, look, it, it's, it's quite funny that, you know, arguably last week was one of Arteta's highest points in his near, near year on reign, but now it's, it's, it's basically his lowest. So I think it, it shows that in itself, the contrast shows that there needs to be a, plan, a more effective plan B. There needs to be a, a different way of playing in these sorts of games. And I do think, look, as I say, there's there's such value in keeping this system and and these sorts of patterns and, and ways of setting up for, for when you go to, you know, White Hart Lane, not White Hart Lane, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, or you go to the Etihad or whatever. But in these games, especially when fans start coming out, I know that's not something we can consider right now. Arteta has got his work cut out in terms of how to, that's his job as a coach to get the most out of his players. And it is interesting. He was talking about how he was, he's failed on that occasion to get the most out of his players. And he he was talking about recently how he's failed Meza Ozil. And I know we don't really need to talk about him, but he failed. It's his job to get the most out of his players and he couldn't with Ozil. Fair enough, whatever. That's maybe a different case, but I think at the moment he is less said about Ozil. I think the better. (laughs) Absolutely. But just to draw a comparison in the sense that he is not getting enough out of Aubameyang. He's not getting enough out of Pepe. He's not really getting enough out of Lacazette. And maybe that's more down to form and perhaps Willian too, but he needs to, that is his job. And it is perhaps a lot more difficult than meets the eye to get that strike, that balance between getting enough in a, in a structural defensive, you know, discipline sense. But I think his next step now, his hands sort of been forced in the sense that that was, was alarming in the sense that how bad it was and appeared especially in contrast to Villa. So I think moving forwards, he, he now will know. He's not, he's not an idiot. He'll have access to all the stats, the, you know, he'll analyse the game. He'll see that he's not getting enough out of these players. And I don't think, look, Pierre Aubameyang is not going to be sitting there sort of content, willing to wait around for this to all come good in a year or two years' time. I don't think you need to, to let, you need to give a little to, to get a little, I think. So look, as I said, I don't think it's a case of ripping it all up and starting again, but I think it is a case of 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 you know starting turning a fresh turning turning over to a to a to a new way of playing in certain games, and it might take a bit of time, but we've got to try it. Um, but it's an international break now, so it's a long two weeks for Arteta, and he obviously said he he, he didn't really fancy that, but I think it's it's what we need to happen for some serious introspection, tweaking and assessment. We come back and look, a testament to the Premier League strength, but we have Leeds away. Then I think we've got Wolves, we've got Spurs coming up soon. Some really tough fixtures. There's Um, no easy games. There's no easy games. There's no easy games. And on paper, you know, you see Leicester and Villa at home, but we can see by the way that those two teams are playing, those are really tough games. And I think, especially without fans and, and the way the game is at the moment, the scrutiny and the, the the demands on the coach to to out tinker the the other manager and and to maximise what his players can do on the pitch, I think is is so important at the moment. But look, as fans, basically what we're saying uh, when we as, as we sort of come to the end of this discussion, as yeah. fans, we 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 need to see a change of approach. I think when I don't know, if, look, leads away is that is that the time to try and change it? But I think as we enter the Christmas period we need to see a change, do we not? We definitely do. And I think, as you say, there's there's no easy games and the, the, he's going to have to take a gamble, Arteta. And I, it's what they were saying kind of on the Arsenal Vision podcast is, is don't sacrifice the good to try and find the perfect, I believe is mm. what they were saying. And it's, and it makes a lot of sense. We've got to try and get a good system when it, we don't have a perfect team. We've got we've got a very average 
set of players. I don't. I think player for player, we've probably got the sixth or seventh best squad in the league. You know, we're not going to become a Liverpool or a City. This is, for me, still a three, four year project for Arteta, and I'll judge him properly where we are in 2021, 22, and he will need time. We can't say he's been in the job. What his first his first job, his first game in charge was Boxing Day 2019. So not even a year ago. He's missed four months because of the lockdown and the pandemic. He's been managing Arsenal for about six and a half, seven months. In that time, he's made us a team that up until this Villa game was very difficult to beat. We've won the FA Cup. We've won the Community Shield. We've beaten United at Old Trafford for the first time in 14 years in the league. We, we, we've made positive strides, but now Absolutely. he's got to... He's got to rejig it and get good again. He doesn't need to get perfect. We don't need a perfect team. We just get back to being good. And if he can do that, I think he can do that. I trust him enough. And so when he get, does that, we'll, we'll all be a lot more relaxed. But until Absolutely. then, he needs to, hopefully he needs to have the confidence in himself and his coaching staff to just make the team good. That's all. I mean, as fans, <laughs> that's, all, that's all we're asking for. Uh, just 100%. Look, and I think if we, obviously, if we lose to Villa at home, and maybe that's not Villa at home previously is, is, is a different concept to what it is now. Maybe we need to confront that, especially without fans and given the yeah. weird nature of, of the Premier League being so competitive at the moment. And maybe it's a new reality we have to confront. But like, yeah, we have to see a team who, when Aston Villa comes to the Emirates, when Leicester comes to the Emirates, when, you know, who's the next one that's going to come? Like Wolves, for example. When they come to the Emirates, even if it ends in a draw or, you know, for example, it, it brings me back to one of his first games when when we played really well, I thought, and then Chelsea stole it at the death and they won 2-1. Yeah, And it's like, we all after that game thought, and I know it was very early on in his reign, but we thought, well, look, it's a really devastating blow, but we saw the goodness of, of that performance. We saw we were giving it a go and, and we were taking risks in a sense and going out of our comfort zone. But if we had lost to Villa or drawn to Villa this weekend, obviously we, we, we'd still be talking about how we need to win the game, but we did not see anything positive, really. And that's yeah, exactly. got to change. Like you say, and it, it, it can perhaps come across as slightly simplistic to say we've, we've got to get a bit better, but that is just what needs to There needs to be a sign for Arteta to be able to cultivate his 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 legacy and for him to be able to continue with this structural disciplinarian approach, he needs to give something more for there to be positive signs and, and for us to be able to have faith in him. He need you know, he, he talks so much about how he needs trust and, and we do trust him, but I think it's come to a point where Villa comes to the Emirates, there were no signs of or, or no evidence to suggest that we as fans or the players should necessarily trust in in what the setup was because we got we got done completely and it's the job of a manager to, to you know to correct those things and I, I have all the faith in the world that he will find a way but I think the 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 way in which the manner in which we we capitulated and the way you know Aston Villa well and truly dispatched us um you know, in every sense of, of the word. And so I think there's got to be a tangible sign of, yeah, improvement in an attacking sense, something that we can latch onto to say, well, we can see where we're going because I think we haven't really seen over the last few months or last few weeks even, all these signs have been there that we need to evolve and something else needs to happen, but we haven't started to see it yet. I mean, there were flashes of it against Sheffield United perhaps, but look, there, there needs to be, as you say, a tangible change. And look, I know what I want to see in the Leeds game. I want to see Bamiang down the middle. I want to see Pepe start and I want to see Saka on the left. Um, and hopefully Partey's fit. Pair him with Elneny in, a, in the game against Leeds. You know, maybe you have even Maitland-Niles wing back because you push Saka up, I think, uh, Bellerin and then, you know, Tierney, Gabriel and, and you know, David Louise or something like that. And it's it sort of, I feel like the lineup picks itself for me. Yeah, I, I mean, but I think we should we should actually be pushing for a four at the back now and just have Tierney mm -hmm. as a left back. Because the, the three at the back, it, that, that sort of crutch system that it's turning into for Arteta, it's not, 
if it, if he wants to collapse into a, a three slash five at the back, and then we end up getting results out of that, that's one thing. But we're falling into that system and still not playing well. Now losing, we lost three of our last four games in the league. So mm. that says to me that we need to give something else a go. Put Tierney's a left back. He's an unbelievable left back. When he first signed. I thought he'd probably. I was like, this. This could be our best left back since Ashley Cole. Mm. Maybe that's a bit too optimistic. And you know, Monreal was a very good left back or whatever. But he, he's he should be played in his best position. Bellerin equally is a very good right back. We've got, I think, when on their own form, two of the best fullback pairings in the league. And so. Mm. Let's go to Leeds. Let's give them a game. Let's fight. Let's be aggressive. Let's attack. Be positive, and hopefully, you know, you'll you know, gives a result. Look, and I think let's let's have this as our as our closing thought because I know we've been going for an hour and it's been a thoroughly enjoyable conversation. But like yeah. you say, the what we need to see now, and I think it's all I'm all for setting up the team. Players, you know, putting the team and the structure above, you know, the the individual. It's all about the collective and and setting up so that as a team you're you're more difficult to beat. And I think that's that's what we've become a team who have become more difficult to beat. Are we a team who are who are who are more in a position to win games? I don't think so. I, you know, there, there's a line to be drawn, and obviously, to an extent, if you're more difficult to beat, then you're more likely to win. But we don't have that that emphasis um, in an attacking sense. But like you say, Tierney left back, Aubameyang striker, Pepe inside right wing, you know, forward, Saka stronger. The best football we've seen of his really has been his delivery from the touchline, taking people on from wide. You shift the emphasis. You know, you've got. Thomas Partey, who can who can hopefully when he's fit hold the midfield a bit more, play the players in their strongest positions now because you'd like to think that there will still be that structure in place. That's why you've bought Thomas Partey. That's why you've bought Gabriel to allow that structure to continue and resonate whilst working on the rest of the team. And so, if you want to, you know, reap the rewards of basically. The, all the positive things that you've done so far, i.e., you know, structure and all of that sort of stuff that we've been discussing, you have to then evolve so that, you know, that can be viewed as a really positive step of progress. Because otherwise, if you keep going and, and it's all about the structure, then that becomes a problem. And I don't want it to become a problem because it shouldn't. But Arteta now needs to evolve away from it so that that is the foundation and, you know, the attacking players, the, the players who want in their positions and we can start playing to their strengths can then move this team forward because, as you say, it is a three, four-year project. I'm not expecting great things straight away, but I think given the, the pressing nature of the, the complexion of our squad and the demands and the and, and I think also the optimism that comes from Arteta, like we are so like expectant and sort of, you know, we expect good things because we see what a good coach Arteta is and we see the potential yeah, of, exactly. of what he can unlock for this club. Um, yeah. So look, it, it's a combination of, of Arteta perhaps being too good and we expect too much of him. Mm -hmm. But look, as you say, international break, let's, let's, let's have some introspection and, and pause for thought as we've just done now and come back to the Leeds game and hopefully, look, it's a very tough game and I don't, I mean, I'm not confident of winning it, but I want to see a performance. I want to see something promising that as fans now we can latch on to. Like for the Manchester United game, we latched on to the, you know, the resoluteness and the, the discipline and, the, well, we turned a corner in that sense and we did. But you turn a corner in, in the defensive sense, now we need to turn a corner in an attacking sense. And I think that's the next step of... The next goal for Arteta is to reach that landmark. And I think when he does, we, as you say, we know that he's the guy that we might think he is. And I think he is, but we need to, we need to see it now. But look, if, unless there's anything else you, you might want to add before we, before we wrap up today. Um, I, I could go on, but we've been going. <laughs> I think it's all been said. To be fair. 10 minutes now and, there's so much more to talk about, but I think we should draw a line under it. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, we all our players stay fit and fit, healthy, don't get injured over the next two weeks, come back with a yeah. full squad. And, um, and who knows, you know, if Aston Villa can come to the Emirates and win 3 0, there's no reason why we can't go to Leeds and get a, get a good win. Just need Absolutely. a bit of confidence and a bit of positivity. But yeah, I can't, you know, we could go into so there's so many more different yeah, subtopics to get into, but not, I don't think now is the right time. No, I, I agree. Well, look, as ever, thank you very much, Johnny. I think this has been our, our most, uh, our most well-rounded and introspective conversation thus far. And I think that is a testament to, you know, a loss is a loss and it's terrible, but it, it, it brings out a lot of issues. More, and talking more, points. To so, more to talk about. So your, your time is much appreciated. I'm sure you'll be back on sooner rather than later. And hopefully we can have a discussion about the positive things and changes that we see. Um, but look, as I say, thank you very much for joining me. And thanks for having me on the pod. Yeah, you're most welcome. And um, yeah, next time, as I say, we can discuss a more enjoyable result. But we'll, we'll leave it there for now. And yes, I hope you've enjoyed today's discussion. And look, we'll be back next week. We keep moving, we keep grooving, and that's how it is. So take care, everyone. Thank you for listening and speak to you next time. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up.